Are you a pianist who's new to jazz? There's no time like the present to get started. And welcome to the Musician Toolkit. My name is David Lane, your host. This is episode number six, and we're going to be talking about Jazz Piano 101. But before we get into that, I just want to say thanks to Fonz. Fonz is, a, is an app that I've been using for several months, and, uh, you know, it's it just occurred to me at some point this month that, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not really... I'm, I'm not really sure if so-and-so had paid, and then I realized, oh yeah, they're on Fonz. Their payment comes out automatically the same time every month. Of course they've paid, and I know what and I know what it is, and I can go look it up, and I can verify the record. It gives me so much more time to focus on teaching rather than chasing payments. That's just one of many great things about it. Um, you don't have to be a music teacher. You can be a yoga instructor, martial arts teacher, um, any, anything, physical fitness, um, sorry, <laughs> physical therapist. I know I can get the word out. Um, if you meet with clients and it involves scheduling and involves billing, uh, Fonz will take care of all of that for you and automate it. You can try it for free and subscribe if, if it, if it fits you. Uh, and, you, and there's a link in the show notes that you can go do that. One of the tools that I believe every great musician needs to have is the ability to play in multiple genres. And I find this is especially true when it comes to classical musicians. There's an attitude that, uh, that can be absorbed through some conservatories around the, uh, around the country that uh, classical is on a level all of its own and it... Uh, if you play that, you don't need to bother with any other kind of music. But um, that is not the way I find that really great musicians, especially great modern musicians, think. Um, most most people who can play all of their classical repertoire not only can, but sometimes really enjoy playing in other styles of music. And sometimes those other styles of music, as I mentioned in episode 5, are ones that you might want to be able to learn in different ways so not just here's the sheet music everything's written out for you play it which is a great skill to have and i would say if i'm talking to jazz musicians out there we need to have an episode for you because we need to you need to be able to just read the music sometimes it's that's a great skill to have but we are talking today and and this is where i should say this episode might not be for everyone. If you already play jazz piano, fine, but you're you're here for the episodes that talk about other things, then I'm fine if you want to skip this episode. Um, you also, this is specific to piano, but I would encourage you to listen even if you play another instrument because, of course, having a little knowledge of the piano is one of the 20 tools. So even if you're, a pianist is not how you identify, I'm encouraging you to get some piano skills, and it just so happens we're talking about very basic skills, really, to get started, but in the language of jazz. So to discuss this with me today, I have uh, asked the help of a local colleague and friend, Federico Pavetta. And uh, I'll be calling him Fred throughout the interview, if you're wondering why that is. I know him as Fred, but his name is Federico. And uh, he is local to my area, Winston-Salem. 
as one of the biggest jazz pianists in the area. He plays uh, sometimes by himself, but he also plays uh, with a trio. Uh, he plays with a quartet. I believe he plays with a quintet. I, I know we clarified that in the interview. And um, I specifically asked him to play not just because he's a great pianist, but because he is also a classical pianist and a classical teacher. And sometimes when you're trying to learn jazz and you're not a jazz musician, but you understand a little bit about classical music, it can be frustrating when your teacher is basically only jazz because they have their own language and they're not really relating to you. Federico is someone who does understand both worlds of classical and jazz. So today we're primarily talking to classical pianists, or I should say pianists or students. So you might be learning, even in a method book, you might be learning through sheet music and you're interested in jazz. And we're going to talk about the language of jazz, which you could learn in any form. But then we're also going to talk about, you know, what are what would you do if you come across a lead sheet? What are some things that you can do? Um, now, just a little technical information. Uh, Federico gives a lot of um, examples at his piano. And uh, we recorded this on Zoom. And unfortunately, with Zoom, you sometimes have to choose do you want a decent speaking sound or a decent musical instrument sound and you know it's a podcast so uh, you know I want the best possible speaking sound uh so a lot of the piano examples are not as good as sounding not as well sounding as they could be um and some of them actually get a little bit lost but i think most of them are good enough that uh you'll be able to kind of tell especially piecing together what we're talking about what's going on if you have any questions at all, if something doesn't make sense on this podcast and you want, you don't quite understand it, you want to know more about it, please leave me a message and you can leave me a voice message and, uh, you know, let me know if you want it to be included on the podcast. Um, and it's something that I can answer in show or send me, send me a message through my website or DM me on social media and I'll put all of that information of course in the show notes and at the end of this episode let's get into this jazz 101 this is my conversation with federico pavetta so fred it's great to chat with you today uh, thanks for taking time Thank for, to talk with me thanks for um, having me appreciate it yeah uh let's i always like to ask guests you know because i think you know, 99% of the guests I have on here are not going to be able to be super specific with their job description. They're not going to be able to say, I'm a full-time touring pianist. I'm a full-time composer. There are people like that out there, but I think most of us who are successful as musicians kind of have, you know, a little quilt, you know, little uh, branches of things that we do that go under yeah. that job description. So what are the what are the things that you do professionally? Well, I am pretty much I'm a full-time musician. I am a graduate of the School of the Arts, uh, North Carolina, UNCSA, sorry to be right, correct. No <laughs> and I have, a, uh, yeah, I graduated there in 1986. Um, and I have a studio here and teach privately and I also do a lot of freelance work. Um, I play, you know, with the Greensboro Symphony, I do pops concerts, I play a jazz quintet, I play with all sorts of different uh, groups, uh, how do I say, combinations of instruments and so forth. Um, 
I'm not per se, some people call me a, a keyboard player. I play a little bit of electronic keyboards, but not that much. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty much a full-time pianist. That's what I do as, a, as an instructor and also as a freelance musician. Right. So, um, um, and one of the things we're going to be talking about today is we're going to talk about, you know, kind of the classical world versus the jazz world, because yeah, you've, sure. you've, 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 you're very comfortable in both. And, yeah. uh, and this is actually very relevant to me because I, and, and until I went to the same school, North Carolina School of the Arts, I had no experience with jazz whatsoever. I was completely a classical yeah. musician. And, um, you know, mutual friend of ours, I'm sure Ron Rudkin, you know, taught uh, jazz arranging, jazz orchestration. Yeah. That opened my world to, you know, to that possibility. And, and I think that every musician, when, even if you say, I love jazz or I love classical, should have some experience with the other. I, I don't think you should be completely pigeonholed and inexperienced, you know, in anything out there, even if you have a favorite. Uh, so I thought maybe let's go ahead and just start, you know, what, since you play classical piano and you play jazz piano, what, what do you think are some of the different challenges of each? Yeah, that's a very good question. Um, well, here's, um, when we play what we call classical music, I mean, you know, whether it could be Baroque uh, from the classical period, Romantic, Impressionistic, we always have to read the music exactly 100% verbatim. Yep. Um, that's, you know, and of course, I mean, there are certain, we learn about the different styles, you know, the difference between playing Bach to playing Rachmaninoff or something like that, or, or any other composer. Um, when we play jazz, first of all, there are some some specific rhythms, yeah. uh, some specific styles. And of course, I mean, then we get into having the knowledge of being able to, to interpret a chord. Um, you know, when we see actually what we call a fake book or a real book, what it's called these days, when you have just right. a melody and then you have what we call chord changes underneath it. It's very similar to playing figure bass in a way. Like I don't read figure bass. I mean, I started it a little bit in college, but I never was proficient at it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's going to be. And, and, and then, of course, improvisation um, right. to how to take a chord and develop around it. Um, what do you play? I mean, do I play a scale? Do I play an arpeggio? Do I play some, you know, a pattern or, or, or whatever? So that's kind of, I think, the two main differences between playing classical music and playing, and playing jazz. Um, yeah. So technique always has to be very good. Um, yeah. Most of the great jazz pianists or a number of jazz pianists they've always studied classical piano or traditional let's call it traditional piano i mean i prefer right. that word because class i mean classical is more of a of a colloquial form of the um of right. the music but and that really develops your technique develops your knowledge of how to get around the piano fingering touch and all of those aspects are important in jazz just like when you play when you play traditional piano or classical music, that's what I think are the two main differences. So nice. Uh, you know, as you were talking, I, I it, it occurred to me, and I, I maybe I thought this before and forgot, but you know, being a jazz pianist is kind of like being a Baroque keyboardist in an ensemble. You have, you have uh, just a little bit of information, but there's also you're improvising. Uh, if you're playing a solo of any instrument, there's improvisation yeah. in the cadenza. So 
Yeah. Yeah. If I, yeah, I was I was gonna mention that a little bit later, probably. But yeah, for example, I've, I've always thought that Bach was the greatest jazz musician that never was. Right. I mean, and a lot of and you know, you hear his music, and it has a a great sense of improvisation to it. Uh, and that's something that, you know, as you know, Baroque musicians and, and a lot of musicians used to improvise on the keyboard a lot. It was different. Of course, we will not, we were, they were not familiar with swing or Latin music or rock, jazz fusion, but the art of improvisation was present in that music at the time. So, um, and that's take, a, take a, a chord progression of some sort and develop an idea, you know, uh, melodically. So. Um, just as a matter of clarification uh, for the listeners and for those that are watching on YouTube, um, I wanted to share um, just before this episode comes out with with this interview, I'm going to put out a very short episode that there's something that's an idea that I've had. I've never read it anywhere else. So, you know, you may you may agree, you may disagree, but I think that there's two approaches to music. There's the classical approach and the jazz approach. Yeah, that's regardless of the genre. So. It, it's possible to take a classical approach to jazz and a jazz approach to classical. So for, for my instance, classical is what you said. Everything's written down or most yeah. of it's written down very little for you to add to the composition. So, you know, I've got books in my studio that are like full Dave Brubeck transcriptions Absolutely. And, they're, and they're full big band Glenn Miller transcriptions. I just play what I see. That's a classical approach to jazz. Yeah, but on my shelf behind me, I have something called the classical fake book. I can play a whole Yo uh, Johann Strauss Jr. waltz on one page, <laughs> and it has chord symbols, and that's a jazz approach to classical. So right, 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 so, right. So and and you can apply that. I've got rock and roll fake books. I've also Absolutely. got rock and rock and roll sheet music. So so we're going to be <laughs> talking today about the jazz approach to wow. jazz. You know, so we're going to be um we're gonna be checking that out and uh so i guess i guess the first thing that we want to talk about is the harmonic language of jazz you know so because when we talk about classical we're talking about primarily three note chords you know root third fifth absolutely and, and a relation but talk talk to us about what's the what are some of the basics and some of the elaborations of the jazz right language. well what is very peculiar of of jazz, uh, it's actually that, like you said, I mean, we just don't or not, and I'm not the piano, I can play a couple of things if you like me to. Sure. Um, whatever, one thing that is very typical of jazz is that we have to, we actually get into seventh chords. I mm -hmm. mean, as a, as a jazz instructor, you have to understand what a seventh chord is instead of just as a triad. Yeah. Um, for example, what what gives jazz that flavor, I think, is actually the different notes that we add. So if we take a major triad mm -hmm. then we start adding a seventh to it then we start adding what we call a ninth which is pretty much a second mm -hmm. a sharp eleventh which is a raised fourth and then you have actually something that starts to sound more in the jazz idiom um I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Yeah. Composers like Debussy and Ravel started using those chords. Yes. So obviously in the in the classical period, the music, remember, for example, that if you did something like this, you know, parallel fifths, oh no, you were probably executed by the king who was supporting <laughs> you or something. Yeah. Because the music, 
I'm pretty sure that Salieri and and, and Amadeo and, and Mozart never did that. So right. they're gonna be those particular sound, those particular extensions of the chord that are gonna give it that that flavor. Now, and of course, the, just like jazz has seen a you know traditional music has seen an evolution through the centuries. Mm-hmm. There's also been an evolution through the past 120 years. Right. Um, starting with ragtime, then we get into the big bad sounds. Then we get into bebop. Then we get into more modern sounds, and then you know, and then who knows what else is gonna be coming up in the future. So right. yeah, those particular flavors, those notes, and then of course we have to, you know, then I know we want to talk a little bit about voicings. Yeah. Um, so we don't have to play everything in group position. Yeah, it's actually there are we could sit here for two hours actually. If I oh no. <laughs> But anyway, just very, very briefly, um, yeah, there are going to be specific ways of playing a chord. So, right. um, you know, one thing I wanted to just comment on, you you gave a little demonstration of like the parts of a chord and, and you and you didn't play an 11th, you played a sharp 11th. And my understanding is this is if, if you're if you're in a major like you could get away with it in a minor. So but, but if you're yeah. but if you're doing a major, uh, you know, iteration you've got a half step conflict you know that that Absolutely, really jars yeah yeah, yeah there's uh some music some musicians call it i mean and again we get into into modes and all these other things now some for example that particular sharp 11th that we're talking about which is also nothing else but a raise fourth and an octave higher anyway um if we play when we have a c major chord for example i'm going to use c because the I mean, that actually sounds pretty nice. Mm-hmm. And I did actually not play. I played an F natural. But yeah. if I hold on to that note, it, it first of all, does, it has a, can be very dissonant, has a very unstable feel, like on light, on, if I play a sharp fourth, yeah. that actually has a resolving power. Now, with that said, that particular fourth can be used as a passing tone. I mean, I'm probably trying not to get too technical. Like that note by going by so quickly, it doesn't. It's it's not a resolving. It's not a. I mean, then you can actually the note sounds quote unquote correct. So well, you know, back to talking about Bach as a jazz musician. You know, one of the things I have to warn all of my students about when they get ready for you know, not just like Anna Magdalena Bach, but you know, the real Bach repertoire. I have to tell them if you're going to practice this slowly and you're going to question whether or not the notes are right at times because he puts a lot of you know, non-chord tones on the beat against absolutely. each other. <laughs> yeah, that is absolutely correct. Yeah. yeah, because I mean, what happens? I have, and this happens to you know students. I mean, they tell me this note doesn't sound right. I mean, you know, well, what about when you play it in a sequence? Mm-hmm. You know, it is going to sound right. I mean, you know, yeah. and of course, that's actually our natural our ear and the natural instinct of hearing something dissonant uh, that actually doesn't sound right. Uh, but yeah, and that's exactly that. That happens to me also when I teach, you know, some classical pieces. I mean, as we get into some more colorful music, there's the, the harmony tends to be more, more sophisticated, more complex. So that one, yes, I completely agree with you on that one. So okay. Um, also, just to clarify for the listeners and the viewers, um, you know, kind of going forward and really what the conversation we've already started, kind of assuming that you are studying music uh at the moment or that you you've you're already an accomplished musician uh but 
but jazz is new, you know, so we may be, we may be using some terms and things that, you know, that's kind of assuming that you, you've got a musical background. So the, this episode's probably not if you're a brand new musician from scratch and trying to learn, although you could probably learn a few things, but with that in mind, um, I think one of the best ways to get into jazz from my perspective is to, you know, get a lead, get a fake book, you know, which is a collection of lead sheets. Uh, and for those, you know, who don't know, a lead sheet is just basically a single line melody, exactly. chord symbols. Yeah. Melody and, and, um, and I would start, you know, for me, I always like to pick something like time after time or, uh, you know, my funny Valentine, something kind of slow ballad, but you know, the, the early stages, you know, I think that if, if you just put this in front of a student and they know what's expected, what's going to happen is they're going to play just what's on the, on the staff yeah. with the right hand. And they're going to find like the text, what I call the textbook chords in the left. It's like you, you, you can find these chord charts where like it'll so, show C major seven, C, E, G, B. Exactly. So everybody takes to, because I mean, and also, I attribute that to, you know, when we study um, traditional harmony. I mean, everybody's going to play everything in third position. Um, but then again, we can elaborate a little bit, and I can play a little bit later. Um, just like what, I, yeah, we, we, there's going to be a tendency to play everything in root position, meaning the chord. And then, of course, it's going to start sounding not right, especially because then the, we get into registering into the overtone series and all these other things that are probably a little bit more complicated. Right. Um, but yeah, it's developing, you know, eventually we can talk a little bit about when we get to voices, mm -hmm. which is kind yeah. of in a way like the inversion of a chord. Mm -hmm. get a little bit more in depth with that obviously yeah i think we're kind of at a place where we could talk a little bit uh, about that you know just kind of because because i want to talk about like getting it to sound more professional so absolutely so yeah. uh you know like one thing that I, that comes to mind for me is if you you know you don't have to do these tones in that order it doesn't have to be root third fifth seventh it could be root fifth seventh third or something like that absolutely root, yeah so like since you're at the piano demonstrate just some different ways of opening up a, a c major seven you know what are some ways absolutely to... yeah so i'm gonna start with something extremely basic mm -hmm. this is a c major seventh chord which is basically c root third fifth and seventh of the chord mm -hmm. i can play with my left hand it sounds okay yeah. um now i can start adding a couple of extensions for example what we call the ninth which is a second Now, then we started developing a couple of other different voicings. And again, I'm going to be using that word a bit here. Voicings is just a way to on how to build the chord yeah. in what order we stack the notes to give everything a particular flavor. Um, as we get lower into the keyboard, what sounds okay here, octave, it doesn't start to sound very good because this is a very congested area of the chord. So we have to open up the chord. So one, something very, very simple to do is just to take, for example, the chord and just play root. And all of a sudden we have this very beautiful rich chord. Of course, this takes a little bit of practice. Then, you know, you have to show different options on how, on how to do this. We also get a little bit higher into the keyboard.
wonderful open core instead of yes. <laughs> which doesn't really it's it's basically boring and dull so that's what happens well this rem this, this reminds me I'm, I'm always thinking about what are my future episodes going to be and i think uh one that i forgot to add to my list is uh, an introduction to the overtone series so i think we may yes, follow up yes. this episode with i'm that. not gonna watch that one i sort oh, of no. how it works but i'll let you explain that in your next part in the next <laughs> podcast <laughs> yeah well so when i go to explain it to the students i have to make sure that i've got a good 10 minutes you know just to... <laughs> oh absolutely at least at least yes or just send yeah. my youtube link somewhere here just yes. figure it out on your own yeah <laughs> yeah i should just yeah just record a video and just like okay exactly yeah, go check this out yeah exactly. that's great um yeah so, so when i when i like to think about uh like playing by yourself i you know this is something i didn't i don't think i really included this like there's there's a different mindset when you're playing with say like a saxophone or trumpet Absolutely. player as opposed to by yourself but when you're by yourself and you don't have a basis you don't have you know anything else i've always liked to think of playing a lead sheet as kind of defining uh three zones with two hands so it's like yeah, your right hand has the melody almost exclusively. Your left hand has the bass line yes. almost exclusively. But then you have the rest of the chord, which could be either hand that's kind of in the middle. Yes. It's like you might be combining with the with the thumb and the two part of your hands. Yes, that's absolutely true. And then of course, also then depends on the span of the person. I have a fairly good reach; um, can reach a tenth or so. But yeah, that's a. I mean. Um, there's like you for example there are like you said there are three and i generally teach this there are three ways and again this is very general three mm -hmm. ways of playing jazz piano when you're playing by yourself like you said mm -hmm. that you can use a bass line if you choose to do so now when you're playing with an instrumentalist let's say that i'm actually playing with a sax player or a trumpet player or whatever other instrument i can still do that because then I will probably not play as much melody until I actually get to the point where I'm gonna play a solo. Yeah. When I play in a band, which is generally gonna be, let's assume the most typical, a piano trio or a piano quartet, piano trio meaning piano, bass and drums, or a piano trio adding an extra horn. Then I, generally I will not be playing bass lines because the bass player is actually doing that. Also, the voicing is going to have to change because I cannot play everything with a root because, I mean, then you get into clashing issues of intonation. Yeah. Plus, the other thing that is nice about having... Well, nice, I mean, it's, I hate to use this word convenient. <laughs> it, it opens up your possibility of not having... You can have more chord. The chords can become more complex because you definitely have more fingers left. Yeah. Let's say if I play a little swing... A one, two, three, four. And then in the background, probably the bass player might be doing, you know, a, a, a bass yeah. line of store and the drums are doing their thing and so forth. So there is there are a set of rules slash guidelines on right. So yeah. Nice. Anyway. Um have what you know kind of thinking about harmony just for a moment are there some exercises that you might recommend you know to someone who's kind of new at jazz to just kind of get used to getting some fluency in the jazz harmonies and also like chord progressions i, I like the only one that i really know is uh you know to 
251? 251, yeah. And I should Perfect. probably say that real quick. If you're classical, you might, you know, know there's a five note chord progression. Every textbook shows you 1415 or 571. But yes. it's it's simpler than that, but it's a little different in jazz. It's, it's 251 yes, and two minor seven, five, seven, one major seven is kind of the way we go. But yeah. Um, when we play chord progressions, which you know, like in several you know contests that we are required to play one, four. Now you mentioned the two five one. Let's what? Why do we always go to the two five one? The two five one is it's definitely in at least in in the more traditional tunes that we know, yeah. uh, circle of fifths and so forth. That's going to be a, a, a chord progression that is very going to be present. So that's why we stress practicing that. Now, do we play like this? Uh, and to to explain very briefly to the listener, to the listener or the viewer. <laughs> is the two chord which is minor the five which is dominant and the one that is major yeah. right but that sounds really terrible yeah. <laughs> i mean first of all it's just boring dull doesn't sound great so there are actually a couple of exercises that i use um and it's actually to play for example i'm gonna play it and then you'll you i'm gonna play two different ways and then i think the listener will hear the difference boring doesn't sound doesn't have a lot of color yeah so what i'm doing now i'm actually gonna change this a little bit in my right hand i'm gonna play and then in the five seventh and that's the one chord that right there immediately opens up a huge new world of of, of progressions um so then of course there are different ways of voicing this. Uh, this is a very, very basic voicing. Um, then again, we get into that issue of register as we get lower in the piano. Yeah. It starts to get very, very muddy. So yeah. I will say generally the sweet spot, quote unquote, this mm. is not, you know, a, you know, it's going to be, I will say 10 notes down from middle C to about an octave above middle C, a little bit higher. It yeah. depends on the color. You can play higher in the keyboard and it gives you a different tone. Yeah. You can play low on the keyboard. So it depends on what color you're looking for. But to start, I will definitely start with 251, um, with a 251 progression. Then you can change the voicing instead of playing like this. You can play like this. And that way it gives it a very, very beautiful color. And what makes it exciting for the students, like, wow, now I'm starting to sound like a jazz pianist. I mean, and not. Right it doesn't sound so boring and dull basically so and, and what you're doing is and this is something that i had to get used to when i first started playing jazz is like your chart might say d minor seven but that you're by no by no means does that mean don't do a ninth eleventh or absolutely 13th. yeah absolutely yeah. yeah that is a very good question because we have all these extensions like for example mm -hmm. in a minor chord we can add a ninth if you had a dominant seven, dominant seven is the chord that really gives you a lot of bang. Yeah. 
that's a sharp ninth. So the, yeah, there's all those chords. So a lot of places, like there's a book that I really love and is this one, I'm a big fan of this book called The Jazz yes. Piano. Marley Vine. This book has been out for, gosh, close to 30 years. Actually, I met Mark. He's, he's an incredible writer. And then I have a, tons of other things here, but I don't know if I want to show all of this. And he talks about what kind of color you're looking, the texture, the sound, uh, where, you know, again, where, where do you want to have it? But yeah, when I see D minor, it's obviously not going to be a triad. I will obviously consider always starting at least with a seventh, with a yeah. with a, actually part of the seventh chord family. Mm -hmm. And then develop it from there so yeah i noticed when you gave uh, an example of the two five one that was a little bit you know more colorful like your five your five actually it had a 13 but didn't have an 11th it had a it had a, a seventh a ninth a third and a 13th this one yeah so here i'm playing the root on the left hand mm -hmm. the seventh on my right ninth third and, and then the 13th or the sixth. yeah because of course the eleventh has to be a, a natural part of the of the mixolydian uh, the mixolydian. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Uh, Dorian, Dorian mode. Right. Now I've uh, I've heard uh, so I've read that that book from Mark and many jazz musicians say is that you should make a habit of practicing everything in all the keys. You know, so uh, I like if you're going through these chord progressions. You should go through them and all the keys. I mean, that's standard advice for classical as well. Sure. But um, the, the way I understand it best is that it flows so naturally in a circle of fifths, you know, going counterclockwise. But uh, do you is that what you recommend? Or do you have any other suggestions? for? Yeah, well, um, actually, I use um, I use this, this. I don't have it here with me. Um, there is um, uh, I use a slightly different way of doing this. Mm -hmm. uh, I use I use a sequence. For example, we start in the um, in the two five one of C. Then we turn that chord into a minor chord. Yeah. And then we have to probably change the register because that's when it starts to get a little bit yeah. a little muddy. So we can reset the hand. Um, so yeah, you can do it using the circle of fifths. What happened that actually becomes the one chord, the sequences goes down in whole steps. Uh, and then, you know, of course, you have to start the same chord progression a half step higher. And et cetera. So that way you can cover all the 12 keys that we have, you know, when we play in, in, in the piano. So nice. Yeah. Um... So, you know, I had on my notes, I wanted to talk about, you know, getting a little bit better to lead sheet, but a question I didn't think to ask is, uh, do you have maybe a short list of beginning jazz tunes that, that are good to start with? So I, I, I threw out a couple, I threw out time after time, my funny Valentine. I also have found, uh, just for getting the chords out of the left hand, like girlfriend mm -hmm. Benima is, is Absolutely. a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. are some, what are a few others that you might think of? Um, I like, for example, Just Friends, uh, mm -hmm. which is, I'm going to play it in a very, very simplified version. And it has a lot of 2-5-1 movement. 
easiest ways to start playing jazz is also that we obviously have to talk about playing blues, uh, the 12-bar blues progression. And you can start with something very, very, very simple. Uh, F, it's like, uh, F is a great key on piano. And you don't have to start playing with something. I mean, nothing that's a little bit more exotic. But we can use like a very simple... Uh, voicing in the left hand and you know we can you know it's basically the, the blues progression is 12 bars that's what it's called a 12 bar blues is and we use a very simple um voicing in the left hand of the third and the seventh and seventh and third if we start playing blues like this that's already a no-no because yeah. I'm putting everything in real position. So very, very simple. Two, three, four, 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 two. And we can use a very simple. It's obviously, and it's the other thing that I like about the blues progression that is incredibly short, it's fairly simple, and you can memorize it, you know, yeah. and then of course, memorizing music is very, very, very paramount. Very, very important. Um, yeah. When I think about um, lead sheets, when I get students that are like, I'd like to learn some jazz, um, I, I'm going to share what I, what, what I offer in my lessons as kind of like, kind of stepping stones to being able to have it sound pretty good and you can tell me if you if you agree or if there's something that you would add or take away but for me i always say well first thing is you know just play the melody you know just the right hand Absolutely. just kind of get yeah. that and then uh what i will suggest to them is just find the root of each chord and put it in the left hand just give yourself and just kind of maybe put your hands about two octaves apart you know you might change it when you add chords but just kind of let's get the what it sounds like with the bait with a very basic baseline and then sometimes what i'll have them do if they're really new i might tell them let's just make an index of the chords and you know how you spell them and then what you want to look for is what's missing <laughs> and start adding maybe one note or two notes uh, mm -hmm. you know just to kind of fill them up and figure out what kind of fingering you need for the right hand so this point you're getting basic chords but we're bypassing the whole let's spell it root third fifth seventh yeah but we're getting we're getting the baseline we're getting the melody and then we're seeing what space is in between and figuring out how to kind of fill that space evenly you know just to get started and then we start thinking about okay now let's get into the rhythm let's see if we can spice up the chords a little bit so that's kind of me that's level one two three four five i'm not yeah. sure how many i just uh, i mean does that sound good to you or do you have Absolutely. any other yeah. approach yeah it's a very very good approach um but you know just like i gave that example with this very simple blues progression yeah um you don't need to have you know and everybody what has happened a lot of students will generally want to play a ton of stuff mm -hmm. um uh, and it's yes you can do that but you have to be proficient at it and that comes right that comes with time um i can i can cite a great musician one of the greatest musicians ever miles davis i mean who yeah. played so little but it has so much so much feeling i mean you know that yeah. of course i mean with a trumpet you're allowed to hold notes longer with the piano you don't have that luxury 
But mm -hmm. like I mentioned before, earlier in the, in the blues progression, you can actually even take what we call the core tones. Let's talk about the, the, the root, you know, the, the root third fifth. Now, we don't want to play like this. Yeah. Basically just spelling like we've been talking about, spelling the chord. So, mm -hmm. and I know that we, uh, you mentioned something, how to practice. Mm -hmm. You can actually take, uh, like you said, the root on the top. And I'm talking a medium swing here, which yeah. is, you know, holy. It's and again, we don't want to start with something like giant steps. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's way too hard. I mean, it's very, yeah. very so we want to lock on something simple because something simple can sound really, really, really nice. But then you have to obviously play it correctly. I mean, I'm talking correct notes, correct feel. good and it's also an incentive for the student to go man that actually and and always always have a student record and yeah. uh, we're gonna get to the listening part of listening to jazz right also. yes to the transcript anyway so, so one that... of the things that i know that's very important we need, need to talk about an important ingredient in jazz we already mentioned already is improvisation yes and and i have to confess that this is a weakness of mine as a teacher probably because I've always done it. <laughs> and you know, the things yeah. that you, the things that come natural, come natural that no one sure. really tells, it's hard yes. to teach someone how to do it, but maybe you've thought about it. Like what are, what are some ways to get someone kind of just nudged into improvising? Yeah. Um, you can actually take, um, I'm, I'm going to start, I'm going to backtrack just a little bit. Okay. Uh, sure. Then again, the student or the person has to have a pretty good ear to be able to to transcribe some solos and i'll we'll get to that but let's say something very simple you can start for example playing on a chord just like when we practice arpeggios etc um you can do the same thing with with in in um in so it gives it a jazz flavor for example, let's say that we put a voicing in the left hand. You know, so I'm taking basically the chord and playing an arpeggio, p, 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 t, 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 then we can change it. And, and of course, again, that starts to develop. better we can start adding a ninth to him and then little by little you can actually do variations of that particular pattern and so forth so those are some exercises just taking an arpeggio if we play a scale We can actually break it into thirds. And we something never do to finish with a root. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> That'll get you kicked out of every jazz club. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, um, yeah. Watch out know, for uh, a project, okay? <laughs> th those are very good suggestions. Uh, one thing that, that kind of crossed my mind is kind of like really getting started is if you're working on a chart, a you know, standard, you know, like time after time, I might suggest, um, you know, change one thing about the melody, every measure or every two measures, just kind of like yes. add, add some notes. And add balance, a, totally. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. and then eventually try to get rid of all <laughs> try to get rid of the whole melody and just try to do the yeah, embellishments yeah. you know so again i mean pro also uh, you know and you're familiar with the with the real books i mean of course i mean we've been yeah. doing that that is nothing else but it's just a very simple template yeah. to um it's like for example let me give you an example with a song that is very popular um it's autumn leaves if you i don't i don't i don't have it here but then i'm not you've seen it if you look at the music autumn leaves is written like this and it sounds awful i mean it's yeah. just um so we can actually um play uh you know change the rhythm And then also add a little bit of a more colorful, a more colorful note. So all those little, it's kind of like cooking and start adding a little bit of um, of uh, of spices to 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 whatever you're making. Then of course, I mean, you start out very very simple. What are the colorful notes? For example, a half step. Yeah. That little half step instead of. That right there makes it immediately gives the melody a much better, better color. And then, of course, the other thing that is absolutely, I think, is absolutely crucial. When you're practicing a solo, you have to do it in rhythm, some sort of a rhythmical foundation. Otherwise, you end up what we call noodling. If yeah. I play blues like this, there's absolutely no rhythm whatsoever. Yeah. And the, the solo has to have a certain, you know, has to have, has to be uh, rhythmically meaningful. Otherwise, yeah. it sounds, and Daniel's like, I don't sound good. And I hear people telling me, I have a couple of young students that are, they really love to listen to jazz. And I said, yeah. And I'm giving them an example. Why this sounds bad or indifferent or kind of dull. Why this sounds better. Generally, a lot of the times it's going to be rhythm. Uh, because it's got to be one, two, three, four, one. It has to be done. If we just play, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. And, and uh, it just doesn't sound musical at all. So, yeah. yeah. You, you kind of hinted at, it, uh, you know, talking about transcription. That's uh, that's certainly a way of like, you know, go listen to some solos Absolutely. and write it down. Um, I, I'll say if like, if, if you're really one of those people that learns by reading and memorizing, <laughs> there are plenty of books out there that were that have, been, that have been like, like here's all the transcriptions from Duke Ellington, you know, and, and all that. And you can Absolutely. play them, memorize them. But, but I think ultimately if you just memorize them like visually, that's not going to help. But if you yeah, analyze it's not it, help. 
you got to yeah. analyze and see why these notes and yeah, yeah i have for example there's a series that i really love which is this one right here this yeah. is actually is by hal leonard and in the back they have all these different they have smooth jazz bossa nova jazz christmas songs that's another aspect that you know you can actually jazzitize uh christmas tunes jazz i mean anyway um right but then what i do also sometimes some students that are proficient in in technique mm -hmm. i will actually okay let's look at this bar right here and where we're getting into some you know something a little bit more more intense what can you change what can you how do and i have them analyze you know the core you have actually core changes written f dominant seven flat nine sharp 13 whatever whatever it is uh but yeah the, i learned actually i learned a lot reading transcriptions because yeah. i will see oh, okay this is really cool this really sounds great um there is a book that i really have become very fond of lately is actually this uh this plain jazz piano this is by bob mincer who's an incredible incredible uh, hmm. uh arranger and yeah. uh, the terrific saxophone incredible saxophonist this is his own band and he does a beautiful approach to this actually and what i love about it it's very short it's yeah. not like <laughs> so it's like oh my gosh you know i love mark levine's book but is that is for a person who really understands harmony and it can get frustrating after a while so yeah, yeah. So there are, yeah, I, I love reading transcriptions. Absolutely. I mean, I do. I have, I have this Bill Evans version of this book and the, the solos are gorgeous. I mean, you know, it's just right. very, very pretty. So is there one specific way to do this? No. Um, and again, I'm going to stress listening and transcribing. If it's something very simple, we have a wonderful tool that we had in nowadays is called YouTube in yes. which take a solo slow it down without altering the pitch and probably Dave you and I I remember oh man I really like that song so we have to like go buy the record or like a set player <laughs> I grew up I'm 62 years old and I will rewind 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 until I finally got the solo now it's so much easier a lot of places I'm not saying go to YouTube and you learn how to do jazz <laughs> I mean, yep. but there are actually places where you can slow it down and there's a, there's a score scrolling by yeah and so the tools that we have, technology, sometimes, I mean, we complain about technology that is taking over our lives, but that aspect right there has really, really made a great contribution to, to learning music. So, um, right. yeah, transcribing is very, very, very important. Of course, and then the student has to have a good ear and so forth and, you know, and all that, so... So I had a topic I think we may put off to a, we may put off to another day down the road because this uh, you know the more I thought about it, this is not for beginning jazz players but it's kind of next level and that's the concept of rootless voicings you know I just kind mm -hmm. of you know I just mentioned that a lot of jazz pianists and and the surprising thing to me when I read Mark uh, Mark's book was they do this even when they don't have a basis you know a lot of times they, they almost the ear will fill in you know what's supposed to be there but it's the idea that like you take a you see a c major seven c e g b but instead you do an e minor nine you go e g b d and and or or something like that and the c is gone it might pop up in the melody and and i'll say that that has been the closest thing to mind boggling that I've had to encounter. <laughs> it's like, I can't, I can't look at a C seven and not to a C. 
<laughs> but it's, yeah, it's very hard. I, I think I know what you're talking about. Let me, I'm gonna play, for example, if yeah. I play this chord here, it's an F major or seven, right? Yeah. Right. But not, when, not necessarily, if I put a D in my left hand, now it's a minor chord. It's just like, for example, when we have, um, what is the chord that I'm talking? Uh, a C minor six. Yeah. half diminished chord in an mm -hmm. inversion so yeah um so, yeah, when i when finally after a long time i mean of playing this you can actually start seeing that this is a major chord and that becomes more than that's a minor chord. Um, there is a chapter in Mark's book where he talks about all of that. Actually, I don't remember exactly the page. How a voicing is, can be several different chords. It's not just, okay, this is only an E minor seven chord. Yeah. Yeah, we can probably definitely talk about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's that's getting into some next level stuff. There, Absolutely. But, uh, but sure. uh, and, and I would say if, if you're beginning jazz, you know, leave that part out. But, you know, eventually you may want to explore that. Um, okay, so the last thing that I have as far as like playing and stuff is if you're, you know, so I guess I should say that the when I met you, it was because of uh, something I did in the past that I'm sure my wife wishes was in the present. <laughs> still, and that was, uh, you know, you used to play for an annual Christmas party, a ballroom yes. dance. And it was, you know, it's you, you, uh, bass and drums, you know, you had a trio yes. and, you know, one of the things that I know you have to do for that is you're playing jazz. Of course, you're doing all the things we talked about, but it's kind of, you know, uh, you know, you can't go on on 10 minute, 12 minute pieces. It's gotta be, you know, a certain Very short. frame yes. uh, and it has to fit the, the rules of certain dances, like a foxtrot, a waltz, uh, rumba, cha-cha, but also some things like merengue and um let's see what am i missing mambo you know it's like, yeah, like mambo, yeah. so you need to develop i guess a certain vocabulary for these styles like you can't be playing bossa nova and have it sound like you know big band swing no <laughs> you, of course yeah yeah, yeah so, no, exactly. like so what you know are there some common riffs that you can develop or is there a resource for you know maybe some certain pieces that will, would yeah, help you get I those mean, down I, i'm gonna be honest with you dave i am mm -hmm. uh, that actually, did I say, did I study this? Did I do this? Is there a book that I can, well, I mean, I I think it actually has to do a little bit with my, with my background. I grew up as a young child in Venezuela and I was exposed to a lot of this different music. Like, um, so no, like you're saying, that's correct. The right. uh, We cannot play everything. And of course I cannot play uh, ballroom music with the same chords that I will play a bebop tune. For example, if I'm playing, uh, you know, waltz, for example, is one of the very, very common uh, uh, dance forms that you use in a ballroom. So, example, I mean, obviously, I can, I could not play. <laughs> because yeah. of course the listeners they're gonna go you need to fire the band i mean they're not so you gotta when you do something like the ballroom gig that we're talking about mm -hmm. you gotta stick to some parameters this is not gonna be jazz waltz. you have to be careful with tempo 
Yeah. Uh, you cannot play something like Cherokee. I mean, you know, has to yeah. know the, the speed of it because otherwise people go, ah! <laughs> like, right. And of course, length of music. I remember Alan always, every single year, he'll tell me, make sure that none of the songs are longer than three minutes. And I'm like, I know, Alan. I've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, it's not like when you go to a jazz jam and you know a song lasts 18 minutes because everybody right. wants to take four you know 12 choruses i mean through a song right. so uh, yeah. <laughs> well you know one of the books that i have i don't have it here but it, it, I, I, and i may get this wrong but it was one thing that we got in the the course at school of the arts in ron rudkin's class and that was the i think is is it dick grove is arranging concepts it's it's basically for big band arrangers yeah and there's a whole glossary of like, here's the things you should have if you're doing samba. Here's the things you should have to do merengue. I don't know if there's anything like that for pianists, but it might be I, worth I'm getting honestly, a jazz I'm book. Be, yeah, I'm honestly not that familiar, and I don't know that book because I never took an arranging class. I mean, I don't, right. you know, um, I just don't, I'm not an arranger, so it's hard for me right. to tell I'm familiar with that. There are some specific rhythms to Bossa Nova, obviously. Right. Um, let's take that, for example. Um, and there's a couple of slight variations of this. I'm going to play again just a very short example with a 251. Uh, some people will say, do not play in Brazil. You don't play the bass line like this. And we're, take, we're getting out to a very, very nitty-gritty of... That's kind of more of an Americanized way of playing, um, you know, bossa. Some mm -hmm. people would say you just play the root and the fifth on one and on three. And so forth. Uh, a samba tends to be, this is actually my 20, my dog, my 99 cents version of what a samba is. Pretty much is an accelerated bossa. Right. And waltz, of course, um, if I'm going to play, I'm going to give you an example of a waltz. If I play Someday My Prince Will Come in a jazz version, it will be more colorful. If I'm going to play it in a ballroom situation, I may do it. Can add a little a jazz flavor, but in a much more not as a dense of a chord, basically a little bit a little bit more open, so a little simpler. Right. What's the type of music goes up? Okay. Absolutely. Yes. 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 Um, that is actually it's called salsa, which actually salsa. Uh, which has is very very and again there are all these different variations. Um, I must say that I, one of the greatest excitements over the past years that I played, I'm the jazz pianist for the Camel City Jazz Orchestra, and we did a salsa concert, and I love that. Oh, nice. There's actually, and this is very, very basic. Uh, then, of course, there are little variations. Um, um, 
Um, so that actually gets into what we also call as a Montuno. There's a thing called Tumbao. And I was playing with all this uh, group of wonderful Puerto Rican musicians, which play everything by ear. And they were explaining me, well, what you're doing is a little bit different. It's called this, it's called that. So yeah, it's always a beautiful learning experience for myself because I'm, right. you know, I can do it, but I would say I'm, I'm an eminence on this. I mean, I just have a general knowledge, and of course, then I'll tweak it depending on what what right. I, you know what is needed. So okay, so yeah. um, you know, some some of you watching or listening, you might fe be feeling overwhelmed. That's a lot of information. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I would say take 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 what you have where you are but i think something that everybody can do is just go go listen to some some jazz Absolutely. recordings so like what are a, what are a few you would say if it's like well i'll ask you two questions like what do you think would be some good things for those new that are trying to get into jazz and then you know maybe the same answer but what are some of your favorites um, I suggest, for example, one of my favorite recordings is Kind of Blue by Miles Davis. Yeah. Um, uh, also because you have, uh, I also like uh, Time Out by Dave Brubeck, which is a mm -hmm. little bit more complex. Um, and then some of my favorite pianists, and this gets into more complex, I love Keith Jarrett, Bill Evans, Bill Evans, absolutely. Mm -hmm. uh, Chick Corea was an incredible incredible musician and there are and I, you can even go back a little bit more Art Tatum I mean uh, which is more uh, uh, Oscar Peterson but their playing is usually it's 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 it's, uh, it's it can be overwhelming I mean for a listener my gosh how was it doing that but right. what I love for example at um by Miles I mean the uh, the tune called So What you can improvise on a Dorian mode and in the piano what we call it, it's all the Y keys yep <laughs> and there is basically not a single wrong note on that now then it goes up a half step but again that I think that's probably one of my favorite i will say always go to albums that said if you want to introduce somebody to jazz it's yeah. the, the music is gorgeous the players are fantastic the the charts are not terribly i mean the chord progression is i shouldn't say simple this one um uh, but this you know for example that song that i just mentioned it's fairly accessible i will say so right you know, I'll say one thing about jazz and not to compare it to classical, but maybe to compare it to rock. You know, one thing I think that um, jazz does really well is that you can get superstars together and do great work. Like it doesn't always work out in rock, but like you know, kind of blue. If you look at look at the personnel on that, it's uh, they're all like superstars <laughs> oh absolutely it's a, that's what i love about going to a jam session a jam session is you know for all the listeners who are not it's just a group of musicians getting together and just playing songs and then you develop a language who's going to count the tune off there are some specific endings there are you know then we can do what we call trade fours which the drummer will play four bars by himself then another musician will improvise so the song is divided into four bars of drums, four bars, or, or whoever wants to do it. Um, so yeah, that's the, and it happens also in rock. I mean, you know, but you have to be specific on what to, um, um, 
probably it's easiest to put a jazz tune together than it is a, it'll be a rock tune that has different different parts because you have to rehearse it sometimes. And also you do the same thing in jazz. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes there are when you get into more complex stuff. I mean, it's just I'm just gonna show up and side with it. No, 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 no. You have to make sure that yeah that you're you know that, that you practice it just like anything else. So. Exactly. You know, I yeah. <clears throat> I guess I'll, I'll probably do this in the introduction, but just in case I forget, you know, for the listeners it's, let's say that you're a classical musician you're and you're maybe not yet persuaded that this is something that you should explore uh i mean i'll just say we're we're recording this you know in advance this is on a friday that we're recording mm-hmm. um in an hour after an hour and a half after we discontinue i'm going to be heading over to a retirement center that i play at once a month and uh and i have a gig book a yes. notebook and in that notebook i don't have well, first of all, they they actually like a little bit of classical music. Sure. But they but they don't want all classical music. They want no. some things that they remember from the 40s and the 30s and uh and I don't have seven eight page arrangements of each one. I've got lead sheets and and also be you know the, the jazz if you're confident in jazz, you don't always have to play the way you practice before you can have a little fun with you can say you know i think i'm gonna try this you know and do a little something different you know on the spot so um that is uh and and, you know and i'm a classical pianist and and i will do this for dinner music too although if i'm playing you know where it's kind of understood it's light classical then i might take out some of the ninths and elevenths you know and i might uh mellow it mellow jazz a little bit yeah it's interesting that you mentioned the, the retirement home because actually i played for many many years at a, at a retirement home in greensboro i would play there probably twice a month in the afternoon and it was yeah i never touched anything that was too avant-garde you know people will ask me things like uh, uh, uh what is the name of the song <laughs> sentimental journey oh yeah because you know, Generally, the first thing that I will do, okay, let's look, most likely it's going to be an older audience who mm-hmm. remembers, you know, songs from the 40s, from the big band era, in the mood, things like that. So ballads like Misty. Uh, so yeah, you have to, I've had I've had some situations here with Ayala says, well, such and such came over, but he did not play exactly what we were looking for. <laughs> We started playing a lot of people's stuff. So you have to be a little careful. I mean, not not careful. You just have to know the style, for example, and I'm referring to this to your yeah. to your gig that you're about to do. Right. Uh, at a at a retirement home. Yes, you need to keep it within that that uh, that that vintage. I mean that that age group. So so yeah, just for the benefit of uh of those, you know, you, you want to know what I'm talking about. So these are the these are the songs that I'm doing today. Uh, now um, I'm just going to list the jazz numbers. Uh, I got it. So I've got uh, a set starts with a, I get a kick out of you. Absolutely. Crazy. He calls me time after time, but yes. not for me. And then uh, I see, then I have a Debussy piece. I put in there just to break it up. And I've got the way you look tonight. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Duke Ellington don't get around much anymore. Yes. And I'm getting sentimental over you. Yes. And then I've, uh, and they like they like when I do a re, you know a religious piece every now and then. So I've got a I've got a song in there, and then I've got Stella by Starlight, My Favorite mm-hmm. Things, All the Things You Are, All the Way, <laughs> and then I've got a list of if of if time, and I'm going to put us, uh, you know, uh, an arrangement of 
they like classical so i've got strauss's emperor's waltz you know a version of that so um it's it's a nice mix and it'll take about an hour and um you know th those are just kinds of songs so the you offered a lot of great books a lot of great uh choices of listening um i'll go ahead and just suggest to everybody the the thing that really i think helped me get into it there's a lot of real books a lot of fake books that are called real yeah. books there's one out there and i can't tell you the publisher but it's called the standards real book it's it's okay. based on the new real book series it doesn't have the as much of the hand written jazz font you know it has right. more yeah yeah i know what you're talking about yeah the other thing I like about it is it's a lot of famous songs, but it also it'll give you alter, alternate chord suggestions in parentheses. You know, yes. so it's like you can play this line or you can play this line. And yes, it's just it gives you a lot of great ideas. I think. Yeah, I am not sure of the book, but what I guess is probably one chord progression is going to be a little bit more colorful, more yeah. what we talk more jazz oriented. Uh, but yeah, all the songs, for example, Dave, I'm going to show you this real quick. This is actually what you were talking about. This is a song list. The paper is about to be destroyed. It's falling apart. Uh -huh. And what I used to play at this retirement home, they love, for example, very quickly, Carolina Moon. Oh, what a beautiful morning. Sorry, my voice is terrible. Edelweiss, <laughs> Sentimental Journey on the sunny side of the street. And again, I will not play anything to... Um, it had to be you, my favorite things. Making whoopee, go figure, stormy weather, when the saints come marching in. Uh, anyway, so I developed, I went a couple of times and I could hear that, nah, stop playing that, don't do that. So after a couple of gigs, I made myself a list that I, that I knew they would be, it would be likely. And I would be more than happy to share it with you. Right. <laughs> so if you ever want to look at it. But no, um, what you, the selections that you mentioned are fantastic, so. Oh, thank you. Um, so, uh, you know, just kind of wrapping up here, uh, you know, I don't, we're, I, I don't, I guess you can offer what you'd like to share. Uh, you know, people might want to hear you play other than on a zoom, you know, a zoom yeah. video recording. Right. Uh, yeah. is there a way that people can find out where you're, where you're playing next or? Yes. Uh, yeah. well, yeah, I mean, I use my Facebook page. I mean, it's just Federico Piveta. I post things. I don't have, we used to have a website and it got hacked and then we lost our domain. It's a long story. Mm. Um, I do. People can reach me via email. I don't know if you want to add it. I do have a YouTube channel. Not very, very, doesn't have a lot of stuff in it. Um, another, uh, also I would like to mention that I play, almost every Sunday at uh, Centenary United Methodist Church here in Winston. And that's actually is a, a jazz-inspired service. Mm -hmm. We've been doing it for 12 years. It's been incredibly successful. Um, it's myself on piano, Martha Bassett on vocals, Ken Wilmot on trumpet, John Wilson on drums, and Matt Kendrick on bass. And mm -hmm. we are a group that we're incredibly good friends, and we play together. we've been playing together for a very, very long time. Um, but yeah, I generally Facebook, um, I, I, I'm, I'm on Instagram also, uh, you know, I have my cell phone number, people can reach me on my email, fpvera.icloud.com. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, but I generally do my best to try to publish it on social media, Okay. Uh, you know, as much as I can, so. Well, I realized, <laughs> I, I wasn't sure how this conversation was going to flow when we got into it, and I realized that this is, uh, it's a lot for one, <laughs> for one I know. episode. And I could, we could go on for the whole day if yeah, you know. wanted to, but understand there's a time limit. And I hope I didn't go, I was trying to, to no. stay with the subject as much as possible. So No. Fred, thank you for taking time to chat Thanks today. And, uh, you know, if we have jazz questions down the road, we may we may have you pop on just for 
maybe a little bit more narrow of a topic, but uh, thank Absolutely. you for getting us going with this. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I appreciate your, uh, thank you for having me. I look forward to, to yeah, any, uh, for the next, to the next one. Absolutely. Yes. And that will conclude episode six. I hope you learned something today. And, uh, and again, if you are unclear on anything we talked about, want to know more, or if you have suggestions based on this conversation of something you want us to do a deeper dive into, uh, this podcast is going to be here for the long term and we want to come back to it. Uh, also, if you have, if you have tips to offer about playing jazz on your instruments, not the piano, but it's kind of tailored toward beginners. Um, I would love it if you would choose to leave me a voice message through the SpeakPipe uh, link. It's actually SpeakPipe, S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E dot com slash musician toolkit. And you can leave a voice message there. I can include it in show and we can talk about it. Or, again, send me a, a direct message on any of the social media platforms, which includes TikTok and Instagram at David Lane Music. Facebook at David M. Lane Music. And I don't think you can leave me a message on YouTube. You could leave a comment in the video. It's at David Lane Music 1. And you can also send me a message through my website, davidlanemusic.com slash contact. Once again, thank you for listening. Please leave a five-star rating and review if you enjoyed this episode. And please share it at least with one other person. I will see you next week.